welcome to episode 294 of This Is Whole Life. We again are doing this episode remotely. Lots of uh, different reasons. If nothing else, you know, maybe being in a small room together with three people, maybe right now isn't the best <laughs> idea. It seems like we're just like everyone's going to have to get Omicron, I feel like. And then we're maybe we're done. I don't know what the plan is, but that's seemingly <laughs> with, with so many cases. And thank goodness it's been a little less. Um, we haven't seen those mortality numbers going up as much. So thank goodness for that. And and God watching over us. Anyway, we are here. Jeff and Ken are on the line with me. And I got a text this week and it said, hey, you didn't ask answer my question. And I, I was like, why? Well, where was the question? And anyway, uh, through the process of elimination, we figured out where it was and that we didn't get to it. So here's the question. This goes back to our January 8th message, Arise with Trust, that was uh, given by Ken. And the question was, the pastor was saying how we should not make excuses when he, Jesus, calls us to arise and that he will equip us and instruct us on the way as we follow him. My question was, how do we know or hear what his instructions are? Like, I hear the call to arise, but I'm not sure what the pick up your mat part is for me. So if you're kind of feeling the call, and I get what this person is saying, you feel like, man, I love Jesus. I, I feel like there's a pull that I should be doing something. But what if I don't know what that is? Is is there a way to kind of move that process along or something creatively that we could do? I mean, I, obviously prayer seems like an obvious one, but anything else we can do? Yeah, I think that that's uh, such a great question. I really appreciate the person you asked it. And Randy, shame on you for not asking that question. You know, <laughs> I know, right? Answer that. So, uh, no. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, but you know, as you mentioned, prayer is always kind of your go-to on that. But I think also the other thing to think about is where do you see God working in your life? Mm. Okay. Uh, it's, a, it's a kind of a famous question asked by a, a guy named Blackaby, and you wrote a great book on basically how to know God's will in your life. And one of the questions he asks is, he says, where do you see God working, and why don't you join him there? Because a lot of times we're tempted to kind of go start our own work and invite God to come with us. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and so one of the questions that I always like to ask myself is, where do I see God doing things in my life? And so that's kind of part of my prayer is God open my eyes to what you're doing. Help me see what you're wanting to have accomplished. And then let me be a part of it. Let me pick up my mat and go. And and so it's always been pretty amazing to me that when I feel God calling me to do something, I'm not sure if, I, if I'm, if I take the Bible verse that says, be still and know that I am God. There's a lot of times when I just stop and look and try to listen and ask God to show me. Uh, it's, it's amazing how, Somebody will ask me to be a part of something that I never thought I would necessarily be a part of, or hmm. I'll hear a, a sermon where I'm being invited to do something or announcement, and it will resonate with me. And I'll think, well, that that's something God's doing. That's something God's giving me talent that I already have. Or sometimes it's like I don't have the talent. I don't really think I always have these skills, but I feel myself being called to do it. I feel like that is what I'm, but 
you know, the big thing for me is just to listen and see what God's doing around you and mm. in you and, and follow, follow that. You cut out there just for a minute, uh, Ken, where you mentioned the part about, you know, maybe you feel the pull, and you, but maybe you're afraid, or I don't remember exactly how you worded it, but you don't feel like maybe you have the skills or the know-how to do what you think he might be asking you to do, and we, we missed that part of what you said. Well, that must be that like God didn't want you to hear it, so <laughs> <laughs> move right on then. Move right on. <laughs> It's awfully scary sometimes, though, when because I resonate with that, that many times you go, I think I might be creating confusion for myself because surely he couldn't be asking me to do X, Y or Z. Because, number one, you know, like Moses, I can't talk. No one's going to listen to me. I don't have any of the skills that I would perceive needed to do this. And yet when you still feel the calling of that. It's kind of scary to take that first step when you don't know where the if there's step two or three underneath of you. <laughs> I, although, yeah. Randy, it's interesting that we sit here and we talk about this, and you know, even Moses in the burning bush. Here's Moses, literally arguing with God in a burning bush, <laughs> and the fact that Jesus walks up to this man. And says, do you, want, do you want to be healed? Do you want to walk? And he's telling him to get up. And he's not done that in 38 years. And, and we're putting a, a sentence behind all of this saying, but where do you really want me to go? <laughs> you know, it's like, like, wait a minute, that's the question? So, and I understand the gist of the question. And it's sure, a beautiful sure. question. And I think it's, it's an important question. But the, the fact still remains I get to be, in a sense, puzzled about a, a very, very monumental thing. I get to be puzzled as to where God is going to use me in this scheme of his, in this plan of his. Mm. And that alone should get us to the point where we go, you know, at this point, I, I, I'm going to go with this. And then he's going to, I know he's got the power to tell me. And what Ken said is right. You got to look where he's leading already. But the fact that we're even asking that question is a beautiful question, right? Yeah, it's an honor and it's a privilege and uh, yeah. of the highest proportion. And you don't even think about it that way sometimes when you're just being in the confused state and maybe letting our own insecurities give the devil a wedge to get in there and start wreaking havoc on just maybe yeah. putting that first foot forward and thinking, well, this is what I'm thinking and – the, every time this comes up, it always goes back to something Andy said that ship in port, it's hard to move. But once you get moving, God can steer you where you need to go. And I always I've, I always come back to that analogy because it's so true. If we just get moving, sometimes it would solve probably a lot of the problems that we have when we're not yeah. going anywhere. But, well, whoever you are, I'm sure you're listening this week because I told you we would take care of the question first. And thank you for just making sure we didn't miss the question because obviously there was a communication breakdown at some point during the process. And we never want to miss questions when they're out there and that we get them answered. So thank you for sending that in. So this week we are talking about Lazarus and Mary and Martha as a part of the story on a rise with peace. And it always seems to come back when we talk about peace. It's always ranks towards the top of things that we 
maybe don't do as well as we could. We don't, we're too busy. We're too frantic. We have too much on our plate. We don't stop and take enough quiet time. We're not in our Bible enough. There's a litany of reasons why I think we, we know that we don't have peace. And yet the peace that we're talking about this week was really, really powerful because I think the story of Lazarus, as soon as you tell somebody that, you Mary and Martha, and we all have these, well, it's a unique story, I think, because it gives us a peek into a relationship that was more like blood family to Jesus than acquaintances. And we don't have that many of those in the Bible where we get to see those interactions and those teaching moments, almost like on a family level. That's kind of how I've looked at it. But what you did in the message was so different than what we normally see when we read and we study, because so much of it gets focused on the miracle of raising Lazarus from the dead. And that's impressive. It's it's holy. It's it's magical. It's all these things and powerful. It's all these things that we don't really understand how Jesus has the power to do this. And yet we could say the real miracle was helping Mary and the rest of us to truly understand this piece he's trying to get across to us. And I love it that we can continue to learn and apply as we go through these stories. For some of us, what, the hundredth time, a hundred and, you know, two hundredth time, how many? But how do we miss these pieces so often when what we're missing is so beautiful? It just, it, I, it's been stuck in my mind. Like, how come I never looked at this this way before? Were you surprised, Jeff, well, when you looked at it this way? I actually was surprised when Ken asked me to preach this sermon. <laughs> <laughs> Because Ken, he said, hey, would you be willing to speak on this? And, you know, and I said, well, sure. But the text he gave me, he says, what I really would like you to preach on is this part. And it took me a while to go, okay, this is, this is not what John's really talking about. But when it comes right down to it, it is what John's talking about. <laughs> right. And it's quite clever as you continue to do this word study, which Ken did prior to me digging into it. And it's, it's quite fascinating to see these nuances to this story, which you're absolutely right, Randy. Most of us look at the culminating piece to the story is Lazarus being raised from the dead. But it's an interesting side to this that John is saying a whole bunch of other things underneath that story that we very rarely pay attention to. So I got to take my hat off to Ken who found this, this kind of, uh, I don't want to call it nuance because it, it doesn't do credit to the story, but yeah. this under, under guiding piece to this story, which was in my book, I will never look at this story again. <laughs> no, the same way. I won't either. And that's why it was, it just surprised me that we could just miss something. And again, like I get where you're going with nuanced, but it's a different take on it. Ken, how did you come up with this or what, what prompted this, this view or this closer look, if you will, at this story? Um, I was just going through um, looking for different places in, in the uh, New Testament where this Greek word for arise that, we're, that we've been studying uh, for the last two weeks. And we're going to study uh, a little bit longer. Um, I was just looking for different places where it was used, and I kind of got focused in on the book of John and started noticing that there were a couple places in the book of John where it was used, and I, and I found it in an unexpected place in the story of Lazarus, um, <laughs> yeah. because I expected it to be Lazarus arise, 
but that's not where the word is found. And so when I was looking at it, that's kind of, I thought, well, that's, uh, anybody who knows, I just have a weird mind. I just, I look at things and I'm like, oh, that's strange. Let's, let's, uh, let's go there. Let's, let's do something. I, let's, let's look at this in a different way. And uh, sometimes, that, sometimes that's good. And sometimes, uh, you know, you can wander too, a little bit too far. But in this particular case, I think the message was pretty important because like you said, the, we really focus on the, you know, the miracle and, and it's obviously bringing something back from the dead is, is, is pretty amazing. Um, but it's also pretty amazing to be able to bring peace before that happens. Yeah. I almost liked it, the story better now. <laughs> for, well, for, for both pieces, for sure. I mean, yeah. you don't want to, you don't throw the Lazarus story out because you find this, this new, this new piece of the story, but what I what I brought or what I took away from what Jeff presented to us was that and and we know it, but in this story, Jesus is just like he everybody that's involved in the story think they know what's going on. They look at the situation they're in personally, and they have no the disciples have no idea other than that Lazarus is dead, but they don't really know what's going on with Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha have no idea probably that the danger that he's facing by coming. And even if they do, they're pushing that aside because good grief, my brother's dead and you're ignoring the situation. And Jeff, you said, John is painting a really important picture here. Jesus is not oblivious. He is not passive. He's not absent. He is present. He is astute and he is way ahead of us all. (laughs) So, I mean, that that idea that in the midst of this chaos where you're looking at it from everybody's perspective, that should bring us the most calm and reassuring idea or picture of Jesus yet because we seem like we're continually searching for this to find peace. And when we do, we don't all – well, we rarely probably give it our full trust in Jesus. And yet here is a picture where – I just feel like you can see from a 360 degree angle the whole story and realize that he's just going, yep, I got I have to do this to make this work and this is this to make this work and I've got it all under control. If you guys would just <laughs> if you guys would just let me do what I need to do, you you know, you'd understand and you would be calm and you'd have the peace through the whole process. Gives yeah. me a, that gives me a great picture of Jesus. Well, you know, it's interesting it it really messed with my head um, when all of a sudden I read, I am the resurrection and the life Mm, mm -hmm. because all of a sudden that statement in the context of where John is putting it all of a sudden made sense because he's talking to Martha and, and that was one of the things that rang true. So I'm looking at it from the standpoint of, wow, uh, this miracle was, you know, we always get this idea of what a nice thing that Jesus did for Martha and Mary. And, yeah. and, and, and when you think about it, if you're thinking about it from heaven's eyes or heaven's perspective, they're going, what are you doing? <laughs> why, why are you bringing him back yeah. to this? Yeah. And it also, you know, you, you wonder about other miracles. You know, it's like, well, Jesus did a nice thing for those people at the wedding feast. <laughs> and... And making you know you know nice wine for the people to drink and better than they had and 
and, 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 but when, when you start to understand John through the course of these, these stories that he brings out, you realize John has this huge scope, bigger than one story, even the yeah. scope of helping us understand a heavenly perspective as opposed to just doing nice things for people. And how come he doesn't do those things for me today? And the, the miracles becomes pretty sterile when you look at it that way. Yeah, absolutely. But he's saying in the resurrection, I'm, I'm in the resurrection. Don't worry. I'm in that peace that you're looking forward to in the end, but I'm also here now and I need to help you understand what I'm actually doing here now. And for Mary, I don't know. I can't speak for, you know, and, you know, but I think for Mary, the miracle was nice, but I think she already knew where her peace was coming from. It was not from raising Lazarus from the dead. Yeah. That was a, a different perspective than also than what I was expecting. When you said he knew she was there because she knew he was the only place to find peace she arose because her sister, her friends, her own bedroom could not replace this kind of peace. And so often I think we find ourselves in one of those life situations. I mean, obviously for her, it was her brother was dead and there was grieving and there was chaos and all this around her life. But when we find ourselves in those same type of lows and valleys, how do we get to the point that she did though? And when we know and then we arise and we rush to Jesus because we know that that's where we're going to find his peace that he's promised us. Because sometimes it just seems like we're we're trying to, I, I know, I believe, and I don't, I don't feel better. I don't, I'm not feeling this connection. We're looking for something that doesn't seem to be there. But she very well knew, as you pointed out, that, that she knew it was there and I, sometimes I think it takes us way too long to find that point where we go back to going, yep, yep, that's right. And then when we get there, you go, oh, I feel so much better when I when I gave it to him. But it seems like it takes us – is there a way to shorten that trip from I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm in this place and I know what I need to do. I've done it before, but it just doesn't seem to come – naturally. I think we get stuck in that place and then we, that's when all the doubt starts and, you know, we, we, well, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe God's not listening to me right now. And then we, we end up in this snowball where it would be so much better if we could just find that A to B, but maybe that, maybe that's not realistic. I'm not sure. Well, Randy, I yeah. think that one of the differences when you look at responses yeah. is something I think that Jeff was alluding to is you know, look at the difference between Mary and Martha. Martha was always busy getting things done, mm, yeah. whereas Mary was busy sitting at Jesus' feet. Mm-hmm. And so perhaps we can kind of see a difference in their reactions based on the way that they interpret their relationship with Jesus. Ooh, and Mary go. was busy trying to trying to do Jesus' favors and to to do things for him as opposed to just resting in him and being with him in the moment and experiencing relationship with him. And I think that for those of us who can really relate with Martha because we're doers and we, maybe we even uh, receive our love by uh, and show love by, by trying to do things for others. I think sometimes we miss out on the relationships that God wants to have with us and maybe other people want to have with us. Mm. And, and we don't experience 
the peace that is there for us because we're so we've been so busy doing that we haven't ever really gotten to know mm. Jesus. We've been so busy doing things for Jesus that we don't know how to allow him to do for us. And, and we're, we're busy trying to say, well, I'll, I'll bring my own peace into my life. I'll bring my own comfort into my life. I'll do this. I'll do that. I'll do this. Instead of saying, Jesus, you do what you can do. I'm just going to sit at your feet. Mm, doing nothing doesn't seem like a, much of a plan, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, especially like I, you said. I don't disagree with you. <laughs> for those doers. But, but I think, but that's the part, the part that I think John takes further than Luke does. Because Luke did share, and John's very well aware of the stories that Luke talks about with Mary and Martha. But that's why I think this is why, that's why I really appreciated Ken talking about this, mm, this yeah. word. Because John uses this word for Mary. And it's a very intentional word on Mary's part. So she's not just sitting, she's arising. And, and yet she goes and she arises to Jesus' feet, which is really quite an interesting play on words. Uh, that John does, because she falls at his feet. So she arises to fall, mm. which is a, a, a part that's, that's kind of an interesting picture. And and Mary's not completely out of the, you know, she comes and she says the exact same words that Martha says. I mean, word for word, if you read it in the Greek, it's literally every every word is the same, which gives you the impression that John's just basically saying she's reiterating whatever Martha's saying. Yeah. And the fact that it's been said twice now, but Jesus reacts completely different to Mary's statement than he did to Martha's statement. But I think Ken's right. I think they're both uh, examples of, uh, I think Mary's a great example of fragile, the, the fragility of humanity and how you know easy it is for us to all of a sudden find ourselves in our bedroom, not able to, you know, we're just despondent. Mm, yeah. And then Martha is this doer who can't get her head out of the place that she's wishing Jesus would meet her own agenda and get in, get in line. And, you know, they're just really good examples of humanity. And Jesus comes and, and literally allows people to understand, hey, this is, this is how, though, even though when you feel despondent, even though Mary, you know, you, you you're kind of, in a sense, feeling pretty horrible, you can still arise because I'm, I'm here. I'm not only here in the future, I'm here now, which yeah. is really important. That's a tough one. If you're a person who finds yourself resonating <laughs> more as a Martha than a Mary, that <laughs> that's a tough one. If you're a person who finds yourself resonating <laughs> more as a Martha than a Mary, that have to be going and doing and taking care of things all the time. And not that those aren't important and not that doing things for Jesus is bad, but sacrificing one of those components for the other doesn't make you balanced any more than just, you know, being on the total, seemingly on the wrong path. And so finding time, which is always at a premium for all of us, to just be that person that can sit down and, and be still and listen and just find that rhythm that pulls you into what he wants for you and to listen and be there. That's a, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. And I think that can I, I agree with you guys both. I think that's exactly what 
you know, the differences in that situation and just finding <laughs> finding that connection and taking the time to nurture it because otherwise it, it, it just turns out to be the long way around to get to the same place. And how, you know, how much happier would we be if we did find the, I don't want to say a shortcut, but maybe the best cut <laughs> uh, to get yeah. from, to get from A to B. But I, I thought it, well, it is. Oh, go ahead. It is counterintuitive. Yeah, it definitely um, is. You said John shows us all kinds of grief in this story, but the contrast is that Jesus sees grief on a much deeper level. When we can find peace in knowing that Jesus not only understands our grief, he truly feels it. That's a big statement to swallow for someone, and I totally agree with it, but there's there's a, yeah. a, a piece of it that's really counterintuitive, at least to the way that, or I would say the culture of Christianity that I was raised in. Yeah. You don't often stop and think about what Jesus went through. We, we know, you know, humanity and the, you know, we just went through Christmas and the birth story and, and all the things that happened to Jesus and the crucifixion. But when you really stop and think about it in the way that you presented it, that in that person that he is and in the humanity and that his understanding and he understands all of what we go through. And then he's just sitting there waiting for us to, to be there and to let him guide and help. Whew. That, that's uh that one's been, it's been a little inner struggle. Not that again, a good one, a good one, but also just putting those pieces together to say, how does this, how could this work better than I do it now? <laughs> I guess is where I'm looking at this from because it's often you feel like, well, yeah, but God doesn't have time for this and God doesn't have time for that. These are little things and they're minuscule in the grand scheme of the universe and all that there is, but that he really does see that and feel that and can take all that away from us individually. He cares about that for each of us. That's been a that's been a struggle to put that one all together for myself this week. Yeah, that piece was the part that you know I, I went through an experience with somebody about fifteen years ago who was struggling with cancer. And she was in stage four cancer. She she was given so many basically so many weeks to live. A group of people who came alongside of her and. You know, they said, if you if you just do these prayers with us, God will show you a miracle. And uh, you know, at first we were we were coming alongside her and say, well, you know, we don't you know we don't know exactly what the miracle is. God's always going to do his best. You know, we were trying to work with that, but this group finally said, no, God, God God's going to heal you. You'll be healed of your cancer, and you will. You will um, go get a report. So we were we were a little cautious about this, and it was this formula. They had they you know they were with her praying at certain times, and and it was all about you know making and it was very similar to in a sense what I was and it kind of that's where I kind of thought, man, alive. This just feels like nobody knew that Jesus was there to bring Lazarus from the dead. He didn't. You know, he didn't, that, nobody knew that until he said, I'm going to bring Lazarus back. You know, Martha was like, well, yeah, that's at the resurrection. 
Yeah. Yeah. Nobody, yeah. Nobody, yeah. Nobody got this poor part, but I, I think that's okay. In God's minds, if he can do it, he can, he can do it. If, if he, he can do anything. Right. But the part that I think John was trying to get across is this part that we have to understand that the reason we want certain things is because maybe we don't want to go through it. Sure. We don't, Jesus didn't want to go through the crucifixion mm. either. No. And, and yet there are times when we, because we can't see what God's through going through with us, maybe it's because we're caught up in our own grief. Maybe it's because we're caught up in our own pain and that's, that's okay. That happens. But that's why I thought it was really important for us to understand these first three before you understand the fact yeah. that God can, re- yes, he can cure you of cancer, but we have to understand that he still sees the end from the beginning. He knows why he's doing certain things. He's in more pain, just as much pain. You have to realize he's going through. You don't say, God, you don't know how much pain I'm in here. You need to get me out of this. He does know. That's sure. the thing. And then, then third, He's invested in our lives in, on a much deeper level than just this, uh, you know, this temporal life that we're talking about, too. So there's all these pieces that we need to understand about God before we start thinking, okay, God's going to go ahead and do what I ask him to do because I pray a certain way. And it's really, that's really hard for me to grasp. And and I, I went, they, they, this person died pretty much about six months after they got the diagnosis. And it was really difficult to unravel all that with the family. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, I I love that you listed out those, those four things towards the end of the message. And um, while we won't go through all of them right now, I would encourage you if you missed the message, uh, go back and, and, and follow through on the first, the second, the third and the fourth, because the logical journey that you take through these it really does make you feel so much better and it's a it's a good reminder for the things that you already know but again this whole story when you look at it a different way all these things take on a slightly different meaning and while it may cause a little struggle like it has with me at the same time i also feel like my confidence and my love for jesus increased more than the struggle i mean there's pieces that you you know we always have to figure out how they how they go together for any certain situation or, and you know, what our relationship is with Jesus. And that's always seemingly fluctuating sometimes where we go through good or good or better streaks than others. But at, at the end, you said, however, God decides to bring peace, just as he did to Mary that morning, we can know that peace is not temporal, but forever. And that was Again, it's something that we know, but when again going through those four and going through the story, that that was powerful for me. I, I there was a lot of there was a lot of heads shaking uh, up and down, and there was a lot of amens, and there was a lot of mm-hmm going on throughout as people were just kind of. I think it was landing at different times, all across as as you as you brought the message. And it really felt like the Holy Spirit was convicting people of these things that maybe we just haven't considered in a while, or we just have never considered this way. So that was just an amazing part of the of the overall message that really, really stood out this week. And so great job. That was that was amazing. 
All right. Let's see. We ha- we do have some questions. We don't, we're not going to miss them this week. We had a from the Q&A. Uh, these came in just after we finished up. And the first one is from Marie. And she asked, isn't it very hard to find peace when we are grieving? How would we apply? I mean, we, we this whole message was kind of based around Lazarus and, you know, obviously in, in the grieving part of it. But when they're when you're in that position or where you're in in that space, it's still going to be hard to find peace. It's it's not just magically going to go away because more than likely because Jesus isn't here to raise up or to take away personally that grieving for us. Probably the way or as spectacularly as it was with Lazarus, right? Yeah, you know I think that's where you that's where you actually notice it though. I mean, mm-hmm. when you're, when you're, when you're grieving, that's probably when you're going to find or look for it the most, maybe. But I, I'd like to draw their attention to what that must have looked like. If you could just get a picture around Jesus lifting up Mary from her feet and then all of the mourners stopping when all of a sudden they see Jesus crying mm-hmm. and weeping. Yeah. And you, you got this picture of Jesus weeping with Mary as she weeps. Real tears, not fake tears, which sure. is, I think, another picture that John gives us. But here's these two. And I have a hard time believing that that was not a peaceful experience for Mary, finally, mm. to weep alongside of Jesus. Yeah. I, I just feel like, you know, as yes, and when you're in your grief, it's not an easy thing to feel. But when you realize that somebody is going through what you're going through and, and seeing what you're seeing, and maybe, you know, not, we aren't going to find people who understand our grief the way we do. We're still going to be able to, you know, be there knowing that uh, there is our, you know, our Heavenly Father grieves right along with us. There's there's a side of peace that even just that one aspect can bring. That's a powerful but you're picture. Right. It's, yeah, it's not an easy thing. You're absolutely right. Yeah. And she followed that up with, it. it, it is natural to be anxious and to not have peace during that process, right? I mean, that's just a natural yeah. human emotion. Oh, yeah. 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 Man, what what a powerful— if, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Especially if you've got to deal with, you know, a funeral plan and, oh, and yeah, dealing yeah. with the, the the bereaving relatives. I mean, there's there's a lot—I mean, you can—we we deal with this all the time, that they're calling us because—not because they want to grieve. They're calling us because— they don't know what to do and they know they've got to make all these plans. Mm. And that's so hard sometimes to grieve when you got to, you got other things to be anxious about. So, yeah. Such a powerful visual of Jesus standing next to, next to them and, 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 and having tears of yeah. pain. And I, I, in that moment that you said that a couple of different, parts of my life just kind of popped into my mind. And and I thought, you know, I wonder if Jesus was standing next to me at that very moment doing the same thing. And I just didn't, I just yeah. didn't think of it or I didn't realize it or I, I didn't know it. And to, to realize that, you know, once you, once you get through and you get a little healing and, but I think to myself, man, what a great picture if you're going through something pretty heavy or you know a death like they were what a what a cool picture to have in your mind that 
you know, that Jesus understands all of that and he's just standing there right beside you feeling all the same emotions that you do. And and he's God. I mean, that's oof, that, yeah. that, that, that gave me goosebumps as we sat there and it just did again. And that's uh, I think we just missed that part too often. So thank you, Marie, for the questions and our good friend, Jahimi. Great message, Jeff. Thank you. So, you know, uh, Jamie, he's in every week. I don't think they ever miss a week. And so we always appreciate the support from them online. So, (laughs) all right. So this week we had a couple of whole life reflections. They're all really, really good. And so if you missed any of them, if you swipe up in today's show notes and go to Speaking of Grace, our sister podcast that contains the message, you can find all of them there. But This week, we asked in the sermon, we talked about four areas where Jesus provided avenues of strength, and it lists those, all four of them, A, B, C, or D. And I won't go through each one of them. Go and check them out. They're all right there. Which of these areas provide the most strength and comfort? I'd be curious to know if it was A, B, C, or D, because while each of them are a little bit different, they're kind of, they're unified in in what they're talking about, but I really encourage you to go and check it out because I'm I'm guessing on a couple, I'm trying to make up my mind. So I'd be curious if uh, and you can send a text or voicemail, uh, 407-965-1607 or podcast at wholelife.church. And I would love to do a little impromptu gathering of this, of the A, B, C, or D and see which one won out. <laughs> you know, to provide strength and comfort in our pursuit of peace. I, I just love that because Man, there's so many times where, again, a couple small reminders make all the difference in the world. So our final thoughts are from the closing to Jeff's message. He said, John shared another promise from Jesus. My peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Arise knowing we have that still. That was a great way to leave church. I don't know about anybody else, but I left on a high this past week, and it sounds like this was a collaboration of Ken getting the ball rolling and, and Jeff coming into something and uh, finishing it off, and it, it just went really well, and I'm super excited to hear where we're going next with this Arise, which, Ken, well, you're— Well, I just, you know, I want to say, yeah, I just want to say thanks to Jeff uh, for doing such a great job. You know, sometimes— if you're sermon planning, you see a sermon, you're like, ooh, I really want to do that one. Um, and, uh, and then you hand, it, you hand your baby to somebody else. And uh, you know what, Jeff, you took better care of the baby than I could have. So I am I'm really grateful oh, no. for, for you doing that and doing such a great job with it. And, you know, anyway, so, yeah, we're, just, we're so blessed to have such a great staff here. And, Jeff, just thank you so much. Great job this week. Well, the baby's a good-looking baby. I'll tell you that much. Thank you. <laughs> no, it, it really was good, and there was a lot of discussion online. There was a lot of, of talk afterwards between services and after, so it really was. I think this whole Arise thing is going to really be good for us for this year. We've started off strong. Yep. And, Ken, you're preaching this week, but I didn't – I don't know if I didn't get the email or if I accidentally deleted it, but I, right before we went on, I realized I didn't have with me – what we're talking about this upcoming week. Yeah, we're going to be uh, talking about Arise with Confidence, and we're actually going to be looking at the story of Nicodemus. So oh. That, uh, that'll be fun. I like that Yeah. One. Ooh, good. Man, see, I knew it. I knew we were going to continue on. Oh, and, you know, just in case, now, I have to say that we are also blessed. Now, just message in general, this was a great message, and we are blessed to have Ken preaching on a regular basis and Jeff filling in when it, when when needed and obviously knocking it out of the park. 
But there's always good stories when both preach, and Jeff always has a unique story from something. So this week, you got to go back and watch it if you missed it, because really what you're going to learn is you always follow the guy with the generator in the back of his truck and the winch (laughs) on the front. Okay, so I'm not I'm not going to tell you I'm not going to tell you any more than that, but you need to catch the story because there was a lot of laughter. There was a lot of suspense. And it's a story I had heard before, but it was it was very, very good. You don't want to miss it. So always follow the guy with the pickup, the generator and the winch. That's uh, that's life lessons (laughs) right there that you don't want to miss. So. All right, so that's going to do it for this week. We're going to be continuing on with the rise with confidence. Nicodemus sounds like a good time. And so if you haven't already, check out the message either by Speaking of Grace or live, and you can watch it right there. And we will see you all again next week. So in the meantime, have the best possible remainder of your week, and we'll see you next time.